Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops is a sponsor of the podcast. And that's especially powerful for me because I remember when Cabela's came to town, came to Springfield, Oregon, and I actually played a role in the opening of that store. Instead of cutting the grand opening ribbon with scissors, I shot it with an arrow. And it was just a monumental thing. I mean, everybody here in town was talking about, hey, are you going to go to Cabela's? Can you believe Cabela's is coming here to Springfield, Oregon? So I know what a staple those giants in the industry are. And it's actually, it's one of the first places people go when they're looking to get geared up to be to become a hunter is they go to Cabela's and buy everything they need. So I'm very excited that we've partnered together and we can help open up those outdoor and hunting opportunities to listeners of this podcast. Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. All right, this is the Keep Hammering Collective with Dan Staten. How you doing? I'm good. Yeah? We're well, here. We've had a whirlwind couple of days. Yeah, it's gone by fast. Tell me about it. You want to know about it? I don't know. What do you remember? I uh, remember getting up early, hopping on an airplane, mm-hmm. get to Seattle, hop on another airplane. You guys were pretty close to on time picking me up. We jammed to your house, dropped all the stuff off, grabbed the camera guys and your brother, and then we drove for like two hours. Mm-hmm. And the only thing you told me was, I know we're going to do at least 7,000 vertical feet mm-hmm. today. And you seemed kind of excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. I couldn't sleep. You couldn't sleep? No. No. I mean, live for that. You do. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was like, we're in Oregon. It can't be that bad. Mm-hmm. And I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that country is awesome. Uh, Detroit Lake area. And I think, I'm pretty sure that's where Aaron Snyder's from. So we'll have to verify that. That could be just a, a rumor, unverified rumor. But I do know that Taylor, my brother, I don't, I don't think people really realize what a beast he is. And so he, I said, I go, Dan's a stud. I mean, Dan, the fitness man, AKA elk shape, AKA badass. So I'm like, I want to do something memorable. I want him to go home and remember this experience. So he came up with the route yesterday. Okay. Well, just so you know, you accomplished that. I, uh, you were kind of making Cameron jokes to me, which I've been around you a long time. And I'm like. Is he saying, like, don't bring water? If you do, you're a <laughs> pussy. I don't want to be a pussy. And yeah. so I couldn't tell if you were serious, but you'd made a couple, like, water remarks. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'm going to bring a water. Mm-hmm. And I probably should have brought, like, three. <laughs> but I think everybody should have. Yeah, Nobody yeah. brought enough water. It was a dry day up there. Oh. Yeah. Water never sounded so good towards mm-hmm. the end. We were on our feet not that long. Uh, we crawled. It was about, what, six, seven hours? Mm-hmm. But it, the mileage was not high. It was no. the elevation gain. Yeah, no. It was, I mean, if people look at the stats, like the pace per mile, they'd be like, these guys are supposed to be whatever. It's like, it's not impressive. Then you throw in the climbing and the descending and the climbing again. And yeah, I mean, hey, if anybody thinks that it didn't seem that tough, let's do it. Mm. You're invited. It's a, the route's interesting because you gain so much in oh, in just a mile. You're over two thousand vertical feet in a mile. Yeah, not a lot of people have ever experienced that. And we were in the direct south facing uh, south facing exposure. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm not a sweater, mm-hmm. and I was like, I remember uh, wrenching out my headband, and my shirt was soaked, and I was like, 
this ain't, this is not a good sign there, Daniel. This is getting real. Anyways, the, the loop you took us through, and then we came all the way down, we hit concrete. Mm-hmm. Most normal people, which you are not, would have been like, this is a sweet loop. Let's just finish up on con like on the pavement. We'll end up at the truck. And you're like, all right, now we're going to go in reverse. And I was like, God, I knew, I knew this was going to happen. I knew you were going to do this <laughs> to me. And I'm so glad you did. Yeah. It, it's awesome, man. Well, all I knew is that last year we got together, we made a film for your channel and your guys did a great job. I mean, everything you put out is high quality. I really, I really appreciate the, the effort you put in and, you know, we, hunting is what we love to do, but it's how we share our experiences and our thoughts that resonate with people. And so when I see the professionalism that you, you have in what you are, your content, it makes me proud. It makes mm-hmm. me proud to be a hunter. It makes me proud to support you. And so you made a great film, but we did, I think we did a little over 20 miles just around town here. I mean, these are the mounds I have close. It's not nothing crazy, but you know, I, I usually try to do the runs in the heat just to add that degree of difficulty. And you did a great job. I mean, we lifted, it was awesome. Your stud, we went out and shot. It was awesome. But I'm like, I got, we can't just go back to the well for the same old thing. So I wanted to do something memorable. And then to me, the key, and I, I had Rihanna reach out to you and, and make sure you extended your time today because to me, the key is, and I never know how people are going to respond to this, is not the first day, it's the second day. You have a giant day. What are you capable of the next day? Because that's hunting. And we have to string these days together where we're fatigued, where a lot of times in the mountains, no matter how, how well you try to prepare, you do run out of water. You do run out of food. And you still have to be able to perform and then not only perform it's not like an ultra you're trying to finish 100 200 miles you have to be able to do this and not 100 but i mean you have to be able to f- be fatigued have all those obstacles to overcome and then still make a precise shot and kill an animal that's a lot to that's a lot to make happen so i try to simulate that in training i try to simulate that nervous system taxing of thinking about, I just need a drink of water. I need this or that. I need these little, and then still get it done. So that's, that was the goal with the two days. Okay. Wow. Yeah. You said something to me. I think it was today. I'm not going to forget it because I knew, I knew, I knew it. I've heard it, but it made so much sense at the time. And it's like, man, people don't quit on hunts. And I know your audience isn't all hunters. There's non-hunters as well. So People quit usually not for just one big fat reason. It's a combination of things. It's like, well, this hunt sucks because uh, my foot's starting to hurt. My foot's starting to hurt and I'm out of water. My foot's starting to hurt. I'm out of water and it's supposed to rain tomorrow and I miss my wife. And then like you start to add all these things up and then all of a sudden there's 10 little baby things. Mm-hmm. But when you add, it's the sum of those 10 things. People are like, yeah, I'm done. I'm I'm, call, I'm pulling the plug. And I just don't want to have, uh, I don't want to be susceptible to quitting because of 10 little things. Mm-hmm. I want it to be like, it's going to have to take an act of God to get me off this mountain. Yeah. I've set out to do something. And I don't think you can just be born with that. And I also think it's a muscle that mm-hmm. can atrophy real quick if you don't keep it fresh, which is why I was saying, dude, I'm pumped to come see Cam again. I did it last year. It gave me an edge. You know what I mean? He pushed me on a 22 mile run. I'd never ran that far this year. 
I'm sure he's got something up his sleeve and you did. <laughs> and now I got an edge. Yeah, definitely. I do. You did it. And, you know, so our back-to-back day today was in, everybody can see it and hopefully enjoy it on the Lifter and Shoot series. But, uh, yeah, I mean, got not not quite the hottest part of the day, but you put 80 pounds on your back, that side of the hill gets pretty warm. And um, so the goal today was just to keep pushing, not take, well, I never tell anybody what to do, but I'm always uh, pleasantly surprised when the weight stays on the back the whole way up. You never set it down. You And as I said, it's like when you start off, you feel like, what is, I cannot do this shit. So I don't know how you felt at the beginning, but eventually your body starts to figure out, okay, this is what we're doing. I got it. And then you grind it out. So tell me, is that what happened to you today? Yeah, I've, I've done sandbag stuff, right? So I could appreciate the first time sandbag goes on someone's back. There's no real honeymoon phase. It's like it goes on there and it's like, this is dumb. I don't know why we're doing this. And, and today was no different. It was mm-hmm. like I barely cleaned it to my shoulders and then I just bumped it over my neck. And my goal was to get it to sit there where I didn't have to use my hands. And I was like, dude, this sucks. This is going to be suck. (laughs) We're not even out of the parking lot. And I've done Pisco before, but not with 80 pounds on my back. Mom, I would say it was actually not that bad till about one mile in. And I think, I think you can see on my face, I'm like, Cam, are we seriously? You're like, we're almost there. And I'm like, no, Cam, for real. Don't play with me, dude. (laughs) Don't play. Are we almost there? I say that all the time. I know. You lie a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's a good, I'm like, are you lying? You're like, no, dude, we're seriously a hundred yards there. And I was like, okay, man, let's do it. Yeah. Puked a little. And then we continued on our way. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, I love it because you always hear about people. Yeah. I gave it all I had. And I'm like, well, did you pass out? Did you puke? And, uh, you know, to me, that's a sign of you give, you gave it all you had. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you did today. But so whatever, they can enjoy that on the show, I guess. I'm sure we won't have the puke on there. But uh, so tell me, how does how does a guy from nowhere, Washington, become known in the hunting industry, which is a very competitive place? You know, people like want to be um, I mean, there's competition. It's you know, you would think, well, does why would hunting have competition? So but it's not the hunting part. It's a it's establishing Like, uh, I don't want to say a name, but like, this is your thing. So how do you go from Dan Staden in in Washington, which isn't known for great hunting about like Oregon, you know I mean? Nobody's coming, nobody's leaving Wyoming or Utah or Colorado to come to fucking Oregon or Washington. (laughs) Right. So we were able to get it done in these shit Western States hunting wise. It's a great place to live, but Hunting wise, no, it's, these aren't trophy states. So how does one make a name for themselves as an elk hunter in Washington? How'd you do it? Mm, I never set out to make a name for myself, but I definitely set out to, um, give it my best, give it my all. I think elk hunting changed my life. I thought that's not a cliche. Like it literally changed the trajectory of my life. I now make decisions through an elk filter. I didn't have an elk filter at age 19, graduated high school, Knew I liked hunting from pre uh, pre high school sports, pre junior high sports. I remember following my dad. I shot a couple bucks. I got hunter safety card, but that stuff goes on the ice when you hit you know junior high high school. You're yeah. there to do sports. Mm-hmm. So I graduate high school. I'm not going to do sports anymore. I'm like, I want to get back into hunting. And the short end of it is that I ended up killing an elk 
on a deer hunt. I had an elk tag, but I was out for deer. And I walk up on this thing, and it's the most magnificent animal I've ever seen in my mm -hmm. life. And it feeds our family for a whole year. And it was hard as hell to get it off the mountain. Mm -hmm. That day changed my life. And that was a pretty short hunt with a rifle. So I went and got a bow the very next year. And elk hunting was so hard, and it took everything I had to do to do well enough to get close. And it probably was four years of not getting one with a bow mm -hmm. that I would never trade for anything. The failure. The failure made me the most hungry. Um, this was early on when you were a writer for uh, Eastman's. I read your writings. They spoke to me. It was like, this guy's talking about working year round. And I was open to any ideas that you guys would have to get me out of this funk of failure. So I, when I say elk hunting changed my life, it like, like I made decisions like I don't want to be an NFL strength and conditioning coach because I'll miss elk season. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to. I'm going to figure out a different way to be a strength and conditioning coach somewhere, yeah. somehow, and not miss elk season. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, I think the passion and it's genuine, it's real. Like you, if anyone really gets to know me, they can tell like the dude's, the dude's weird about elk hunting. Like I live mm -hmm. for it, man. So that's authentic. That's real. And I think maybe that's what people recognize and. Um, some will say it's over the top too, but mm -hmm. all in all, I, I just love elk hunting, man. Yeah. What, um, so when you killed that first bull and you walked up on it and then you, you mentioned that it, it fed your family for a year, how, how did that feel? I mean, did you feel like, uh, you were respected because you were, you got to tell the story about the bull you killed or for a young man, I just know how important mm having people listen to them and like feeling that, that respect, you know, men work their whole lives and they, they want respect. Right. So is that what, is that what the feeling was or what was it? Yeah. Confidence maybe? I don't know. Like the funny thing is for, for non hunters out there, like you usually elk are too big to just take out whole, but it's very common to bring, to drag a deer out of the woods. My dad and I didn't know better. Mm -hmm. We gutted this elk and drug it out whole. <laughs> How it, far was it? Not um, too far, I guess. Probably a couple miles to the road what? downhill. And we had like chains, mm. come alongs, mm -hmm. and we just worked it and got it to a road. And then we got a were truck you, to it. Were, is this logging? Logging. I mean, so how'd you, how'd you, the come alongs and all that? Was that logging stuff that you? No, my you, dad had all the stuff in okay. his truck. Mm -hmm. um, we just had to cut it up. We didn't know. Yeah. We didn't know. We didn't know. So right. the reason I mentioned that is we bring it home and then my dad calls this company called Mobile Meats and these two crazy like butchered beard type dudes show up. Mm -hmm. They go into the shop and they just hoist it up, skin it out. And they have all these white tables they brought. And next thing you know, this elk's hanging sky high. And then two hours later, it's all perfectly cut, processed, wrapped, labeled. And I'm like, holy shit, mm -hmm. this is going to be enough food to feed our entire family, like my sister's family. My, you know, right. this is unreal. And then um, there were some grown men that were my neighbors that came over, and when they saw the bull hanging whole, they were like, assumed my dad did it. And my dad got to be like, no, he did it. Dan, and I'm 19 or 20, it. and I'm right. like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, it made, it bolstered my self-worth it yeah. made me feel important and i i don't know i like seeing their respect mm -hmm. yeah i understand i completely understand that um and then so then you decided to why did you, why did you decide to bow hunt well when we were driving up to go hunt me and my dad he had bought a primos cassette tape 
about elk hunting because we yeah. knew nothing about elk hunting. Right. He puts it in, and I'm hearing audio only of dudes bow hunting elk in the rut and they're bugling. And I heard the thwack of a arrow hitting the ribs of mm. a bull and guys celebrating and breathing and panting and freaking out. And of course, the bugle. And I was like, so is that what you got to do to hear these things roar? Is, yeah. And my dad's like, yeah. And I was like, I'm getting a bow. And mm. I literally did. That's one thing about me is I don't, like, if I say I'm going to, I just go do it. I'm all or none. And right. so as soon as I pick up a bow, I'm in it. And I bought my dad a bow. And we just committed to elk hunting with archery from that point forward. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I, I get, I think there's something I've never felt more at peace than say if I'm in a wilderness basin and there's bulls there and you're looking around and you haven't seen a person in days and these elk are just, I always thought that me and Roy would say that the elk up there, it seemed like they were on like premium fuel. You know, it seemed like they were faster because maybe the predators, cause I've, I grew up hunting Roosevelt and there's bigger animals that didn't like jumping the string and things like that. Didn't seem like it happened, but up there, with that high octane fuel that they're eating and in that environment, it felt more wild. And then you're, you've immersed yourself in that country. I've just never felt more, as I say, at peace. And that feeling, that feeling can push you for a long time, chasing that feeling, you know, and that's what, to me, that's what calls me to the mountains. Do you remember an instance like that? I know you've hunted a lot of I feel like it's a little bit different in timber, timber country where you don't have that expanse. Mm. But where I always felt that was in the Eagle Cap wilderness yeah. for the first time. Where, what does that for you? What makes you feel most alive? I do. I'm very thankful for where I started elk hunting, which is North Idaho. My uncle, albeit maybe not the greatest archer, he was getting into elk. And I was bold enough to ask him that very next year if he let, let me go with him. Mm-hmm. And the very first day I've ever elk hunted with a bow was a really crappy road, two track, just bare. I couldn't believe we're driving it with a truck, to be honest, in the dark. And we get, I feel like we were in the truck for hours, but probably only an hour, maybe. And we get to the top of the mountain and it's just getting light and he gets out. And I'm just, I'm all ears. I don't know what the plan is. I don't know how to hunt elk with a bow. And he's like, okay. Listen for bugles. I'm gonna I'm gonna rip a bugle. I'm like, okay, whatever. And he pulls out like this vacuum tubing cord thing. And mm-hmm. at the time, I didn't know what the hell's going on. He just rips this bugle, and way down the bottom of this canyon country, like this logging country, bull answers us. And he just looks at me and he's like, okay, grab all your stuff. We're going. And it was like that was it, mm-hmm. and not another word. And just down the mountain through fern patches and brush. And I know for a fact that I yard sailed pretty good. Like I know I had a pair of binoculars at the beginning and halfway down they were gone. <laughs> I know that I had a quiver full of arrows that came off my bow. We just kept going. We finally got down there and we had some pretty good interact. It was a herd bull. So you had no arrows? Yeah, I, I lost everything on the way down in the brush. <laughs> and uh, That's I had not ideal, shitty is it? shoes and I mean, just had poor equipment wearing yeah. cotton. And uh, looking back, it's just like, wow, this... This yeah. is, I'm so glad it was like that eye opening because it was going to take everything I had to have success. Yeah. And that hasn't changed, Cam. Like, it's still really hard. Mm-hmm. 
And I guess that's why I'm still loving it. It's I'm not tired of how hard it is. So, but yeah, that first day of elk hunting changed my life. Like the bugles, how hard it was, the yard sale. Uh, we didn't even get that close to that bull. We probably got under 50, no shots fired, but man, we had to hike all the way back up the mountain to get yeah. to it. It was awesome. I yeah, loved it. Really? It was for me. Yeah. So, I mean, it feels like to me, I, you know, there's a lot of similarities between, I had Brian Barney on, you know, I know, you know, Brian, and I just love that the passion you got that exudes for bow hunting elk. You know, I feel, you know, he also likes to kill big mule deer. Um, you're more elk centric, but I just love that the passion for bow hunting you both have oh, yeah. unbridled and just embrace the hard work, embrace the struggle. And like, and he too mentioned that he would read Eastman's back in the day. Cause there was a time when Eastman's was just like, it was the coolest. It, it was the, the bat, most badass magazine and the best people were sending in stories and like influencing the young. I don't even like, you're not even that much younger than me, but younger influencing that next generation. And it's like, I, there's something beautiful about that because I, I remember being the kid reading magazines. I mean, I would live for magazines. I would go to the grocery store all the time and just stand there and read magazines and then buy them all and bring them home and go back and through them over and over again. So when you say that, and especially on the heels of Brian, just being here, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I, it just feels so right. That's how the hunting tradition, you hear the stories, you read the articles, you envision yourself there, you put yourself there, then you're doing it. You're doing what you read about. Uh, dude, I called Eastman's bow hunting journal in Powell, Wyoming. Mm -hmm. I remember this, this pre-internet and I'm like, yeah, Hey, I've found your magazine. Can I get all the issues you've ever done that I've missed? They're like, are you serious? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, yeah. So I did it. Yeah. So I got this sweet ass box full of every issue they had ever published. I don't have it anymore, but I remember oh, I was like, that's how serious I was. Like <laughs> I knew I needed research and homework. Yeah. And, uh, this was our Instagram. This was our Facebook. Yeah. This was our blogs was, this is where you got your content to me. You know, it wasn't even about to me personally, it wasn't even about research and homework. To me, it was the adventure. It was reading those. It just seemed like so enthralling. These men in the mountains killing bulls. It seemed like it seemed unbelievable. And I would just, I would like, what, what would it take to be like that? And that was the draw. And then, you know, I see that buck up there. I remember the very first article that I wrote for Eastman's, it was called Memoirs from the Rim Rock. And it's just like, I couldn't believe that you could, a kid could dream like you dreamt and it happened. Hmm. Yeah, I remember when I got published in Eastman's bow hunting journal, that was a really big what deal. Article? It was a do-it-yourself caribou hunt. I don't remember the name of it. Hall Road? Uh, no, we flew in, got dropped off north of the hall run. I think I remember it. Um, yeah. It was cool. I yeah. still have the issue. You know <laughs> was what I mean? it you and your dad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was epic, man. I, I have all those magazines. I have all the Eastmans. Do you? Yeah, I still have them. That's great. <laughs> I just, I'm addicted. I'm kind of, you know, internet, whatever, social media, it's great. I still love printed word. 
Mm. I mean, for whatever reason, I just still love it. I'm just like, and the glossy paper and the big, the color photos mm -hmm. and like, I don't know, it's a special time. So, but, so it seems to me like you're living your dream. Without a doubt. And it's not, I know credit to me. I, I do believe there's a faith component to it for sure. And I feel like God has called me to, to do some things, but there's definitely an unwavering passion for elk hunting mm -hmm. that I just, that cannot be denied. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm willing to quit jobs mm -hmm. so I can elk hunt. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to take pay cuts. I'm willing to squash dreams of being a strength coach for the NFL. Cause it's, I'm a, I would miss elk season, but, um, yeah, I have no regrets Yeah, as the kids say. Yeah. Regrets. Regrets. <laughs> so is it, is it all sunshine and rainbows or is there any negative to the, to chasing a passion like this? Yeah. I don't know if there is a lot of negative. Um, it's all sunshine and rainbows. Everyone loves you and supports you. <laughs> Only words of encouragement. Yeah. No one despises you. No, there's no jealousy. There's no hate. <laughs> um, yeah. and so it's been cool. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I know that's a, a tongue in cheek because, you know, the greatest part of hunting in the, in the brotherhood of hunting is that it's tough men. It's, I, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm not trying to alienate women, but to me, it was always, you know, I was always around men, hard, hard men that made me tougher. Right. But that's great because you push each other and it pushes you to dream and to work hard. But not everybody gets on board, you know, because I've seen you have success, a lot of success and multiple bulls a year when say the average success rate hunting elk is 10%. So that's one out of 10 years. So the average guy is killing a bull every 10 years and you're killing multiple bulls a year. So you'd say outside looking in, you'd say, wow. That's awesome. That guy's bucking the odds. He must be working his ass off. He must be really good at this shit. But there's some people who look at that and as a reflection on themselves yeah. and they say, well, this guy's making me look bad. They're, they're taking it personal. So the part that we love about being a hunter is that you have to be confident. You have to be tough. You have to be a go-getter. But those type of people can be very competitive also, right? Oh, yeah. it's There's some ego involved with hunting, whether you want to admit it or not. Mm -hmm. You included, me included. Mm -hmm. There's some pride on the line. And I don't think it has to be unhealthy pride. I think it can be a real um, generator of good habits of hard work. Like, honestly, Cam, there's not a lot of people that can keep up with you in your 55. Like, I'm only 42. I had you wait on me a lot in the last 36 <laughs> hours, which is awesome for me. I need a little dose of humility. But there's a lot of people that think they could keep up with you, and they're just out to lunch. Like they, don't, they don't know the reality of where you're at physically, mentally. Um, and then they also, I'm just putting this on you, not me. They're <laughs> jealous of where you get to hunt mm -hmm. um, until they saw the invoice of what it actually cost mm -hmm. to hunt there and the pressure. Mm -hmm. You wound, you're done. Yeah. You got a cameraman on you the whole time. Mm -hmm. There's no read takes. No. It, the reality is right there. And uh, it's high stakes and people are counting on you and you put more pressure on you 
than any of us could ever, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Careful what you wish for. For me in the beginning, and I had a stint of, I wouldn't call it jealousy. I would call it maybe just envy of your tag situation and your hunting opportunity. Who wouldn't Mm -hmm. want to hunt where you hunt? Yeah. I've second thought that quite Mm. a bit. There's a lot of pressure there that's added to, you know, what you're doing. Um, And so I just feel like one big campaign, I know you've heard my podcast um, throughout the years. One thing I really focused on this year was just, man, I'm tired of the division. I'm tired of the ego trip. Mm -hmm. Hunting's not about size, length, score. It's about a pursuit. It's about a heritage. And we're at war with each other when we should be at war with keeping it alive, which shouldn't even really be a thing. Mm-hmm. To me, hunting's in our ancestry. It's in our DNA. Um, it was not created by man. It was found in nature. Mm-hmm. It was a necessity. Right. And just because it's not a necessity doesn't mean that it's not a necessity, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I understand so, what you're saying. So that's my united, not divided. You know yeah. what I mean? In I think- 2023. Hey guys, you want to be as smart as famed neuroscientist Andrew Huberman, PhD at Stanford? Well, sadly, that's probably not going to happen. But I did find something that can help, and that's HVMN Ketone IQ. I actually downed one right before reading this, so if I sound decent, it's probably why. Because I'm not sure if you guys realize how much brain power podcasting takes. But whatever I can take that will at least make me sound smarter, I'm in. Ketone IQ is a clean energy boost without sugar or caffeine. Ketone IQ increases your blood ketones. I'm not on a keto diet, but by taking Ketone IQ, I can achieve the desired focus and energy for explosive workouts that ketones typically provide to those in ketosis. You can find Ketone IQ at your local Sprouts or online at hvmn.com. Use code CAM. C-A-M, for 20% off your first order. I'm always putting constant stress on my body, which is why I decided to try mud water, and it has been a game changer in regard to mental focus. The blend of adaptogenic mushrooms, cordyceps, and lion's mane all support focus, physical performance, and are great for the immune system. Now, these aren't the hallucinogenic type of mushrooms, but I do like that mud water gives back to the Berkeley Center for the Science of Using Psychedelics to help treat individuals with mental health disorders. Go to mudwater.com, that's M-U-D-W-T-R, use code CAM for 15% off your first order. Leupold Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glass. That's all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast. I think that's well said. I mean, it's it's one reason too that you know I mentioned you. I was on when I was in Rogan last. We thank you by the way. Yeah, that we was mentioned cool. you because we do both of us appreciate your passion and your your honesty and just the fact that you can say that you know you have evolved and now you you felt this way now you feel that way. I think that's part of being a, a, a human and a man. Is like yeah, you, we mature. We should be gaining perspective. And it should be a more healthy perspective and it should be 
um, we can encourage, we can also push, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't look as, I don't look at anybody as a rival or competition. Like I once did. I once, when I was a young man, bow hunting, everyone was competition. Mm -hmm. I looked at everyone and I was just like, I want to break you. And it's, I'm not like that anymore. I look at it as we can make each other better. And that's what that's, I mean, that's the whole premise to the that's show. Powerful. Whole premise to the show and the whole premise to spending time with people like you and like and with Brian. I haven't had a lot of hunters on the show because a lot of people don't have the perspective of you guys about, hey, how, we're in this together. How can we get better? How can you help me? How can I help you? And there's not a lot of people that feel that way, but I'm drawn to people like that. And sometimes to find people like that, I have to get outside of the industry that I love, which is hunting. But I have to get into the, you know, maybe the MMA or um, track and field. And like, I find, seek out these people who are like, they're all about, let's get to the next level. Let's see what's possible. And that's, that's what keeps me motivated. And that's why, you know, the last couple of days that we've spent together and I've watched you grow, I've watched you develop your podcast into one of my favorites. I've watched you build this brand into something that's, you know, it's, it's honorable it's recognizable and it stands for the right thing. And it's like, you, you, you push me, you help me and you, you fill me with pride. Cause I, I feel like this is how I like to see hunting represented. So thank you. No, man. Thank you for always kind of rooting for me. Um, that is the thing. Why can't we, um, I don't know. Why can't we root for each other? Why can't we, I mean, competition's cool, and there can be some friendly competition. No doubt about it. It's healthy, but I don't know, man. Life's pretty short to mm-hmm. get caught up in some stupid petty shit. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather... I just don't go on Instagram looking for people to post stuff that I disagree with and type out something negative. Like, you'll never, ever find that. Mm-hmm. You can look. Mm-hmm. I don't do it. I don't have time. Yeah, I'm not distracted. I'm actually very focused. My talent is drive. I, that's what a God gave me. Maybe not a lot of athleticism, maybe not a lot of endurance, but I have the drive. Mm-hmm. That's the talent. Hard work could be your talent, but everyone's talent should be encouraging in a world that can be very discouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, and encouragement is wherever you find the positive energy. And the thing you posted before I arrived is probably where I'd want to finish this podcast was like, damn, that, David Goggins hit it out of the park. Like you hang out with 10 people and they're all mediocre, but you're better than them. So you're always the best. You think you're the shit. Mm-hmm. You're just in the wrong circle. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, I got to experience your circle once again this, this weekend or, and it's like, okay, dude, this guy's waiting on you. <laughs> you got to keep working hard. So, yeah, I, I mean, you, you did good. I mean, I, how have you continued to evolve? Is it just seeking out opportunities like, or how do you push yourself? Mm. You know, cause it is really hard if you're around people and you don't know any better. So it's, it sounds good. It's, I mean, I agree with Goggins, but it is, it's a nice little sound bite. but what if that's all, you know, mm. is that your fault? How does somebody go from say or whatever, who's to say they're mediocre, but whatever, if you want to say they are, how do you know, how do you push yourself? Like, how did you, if you were around people like that, where did you find the drive to continue to improve? Yeah, that's a good question. I do think you got to check the size of your pond. Mm-hmm. I do think there's a pond reality check 
And the reality of mine lately is that it's been pretty small. I've been a big dog. I train at home. Um, I'm not training for CrossFit games stuff anymore. Uh, so yeah, it's good to, to check yourself. One thing that I've definitely found, um, is to have pre, like I rec actually write my own programming now and I make sure to come in there with like a seasonality approach where I don't just get stuck doing similar movements or, um, training the same time of day or not running or not sandbag stuff, um, or not swimming or not cycling. Uh, so I'm very much, I have some CrossFit roots, but that's not all I do. I have some bodybuilding roots and uh, I have some running that I've done, but I definitely think like people's takeaway should be like, um, discomfort. Mm Mm-hmm. Check yourself. If you're not having a weekly dose of discomfort, you're probably just working at things you you excel at. And I think as humans, that's our yeah, nature. We like to do that. We like to gravitate towards the things we're good at. Mm-hmm. And so if you can just kind of have that discomfort card that you play once a week and you're like, what is the last thing I want to do? Oh, that. Okay. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I feel like that's good for everybody. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. That's, I, I do like that. I do. I was thinking that, you know, when you're in the CrossFit realm, you were exposed to big dogs because you went to the games, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very easy. That's why people love it is because you got your measurables and everybody's got this workout and they do it in this amount of time. And like, you can see how you stack up. Hunting isn't like that. I mean, we focus a lot on the the animal that's on the ground, but there's a lot of different ways to get that animal on the ground because a lot of it is where you're hunting, when you're hunting, how you're hunting, there's, there's a lot to it. So if we're just looking at the end result, it's not like the CrossFit where you can, where you can, it's so, uh, like a whiteboard or yeah. leaderboard. Yeah. And it's, it's just so it's reg. I mean, everybody's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Hunting is so unique and different country yields, different type of bulls. Like where yeah. I, where I started hunting any good five point, you better shoot. Mm-hmm. Right. And so now if I go someplace and it's like giant bulls, I have to recalibrate <laughs> And I have to hunt differently because I remember being, you know, going hunting and it's just like, you know, on, on a public land hunt in the wilderness, man, you're taking the first decent shot you have, right? You're like, I need to to get, this might be the best opportunity I have. I got to get an arrow into this thing. Or on some of these, if you're on a, like you get to go, you you got a great opportunity at an amazing hunt this season it's going to be a diff- you should have a different mindset it's you got to switch gears from that public land first decent shot to like i better make sure i'm very disciplined on taking the best shot and that's so that's that's a big difference it's like hunting is you can't we we do we try to put it in a box and we try to make it relatable to everybody and we or where i think it's like or comparable so you can compare things and you just can't do it. You just can't do it. And I, that's why I wish, um, people could just embrace their experience and not get into like how it compares to somebody else's because it's so to you, it's it's that soul enriching. It's like Mm -hmm. this, let's take it for what it is. This is, we're so, we're so blessed to be able to get into the mountains and do what we love. Don't let some what somebody else is doing taint that. Mm, man, well said. I think for me, when I go into September, 
it's a lot of work to be able to hunt that much. Honestly, it sounds good on paper, and I yeah. and I get it. Y'all don't even know mm-hmm. how much time I got to spend to get that time off. I basically got to squeeze an extra month worth of work in August. Yeah, you got to get twelve months worth of work in eleven months. I, I I seriously do. That work doesn't go away, and I still got to balance that portfolio of family because mm-hmm. family is a more important thing than hunting. Although sometimes an outsider would be like, "Are you sure, Staten?" And I almost couldn't disagree. Like sometimes I do get caught up in hunting way more and I put it in front of my family. That's on me. But when I come out of the mountains cam in September, like towards the end, there better be a better version of me coming out of those woods. Mm. I've had way more time. Like you only hunt during the day. Yeah. There's a ton of nights where I'm by myself in a spike camp thinking about my family and I'm replaying how, how that interaction with my son and how quickly I was to anger or my daughter, maybe I wasn't as sensitive as I could have been, or I wasn't encouraging, or maybe I just didn't make the time for a daddy daughter date. Like, dude, you need evaluation of your life. Go elk hunting for a month. Mm-hmm. You're going to come out of the woods with a sense of reprioritization, mm-hmm. um, focus on what truly matters uh, and it's just good. It's healthy to get a break from your inbox, your DM box, your yeah. Instagram. And if I pull up Instagram, I've killed a five point on public land on day nine of a seven day hunt. And I pull up and I see Cam Hain with a 380. Don't let that rob my joy. <laughs> I fucking nailed this bull yeah. and it took everything I got. I There's comparison. I right. think you were saying comparison is like a thief of your joy. Yeah. I've done that. Mm-hmm. I've done the comparison thing. Yeah. Don't do that. Right. No, I, I understand that. You did mention something else, too, that I wanted to touch back on. I've heard you say that, and maybe you even asked me, but I know you've asked guests, like, to what's your, you know, what's your priorities in life? And I've heard you say faith, family, I think, fitness, then hunting or something like that. Well, actually, hunt, yeah, hunting's above career. So, so, but when you're obsessed with something mm-hmm. and you want to be the very best, how does that, how do you do that? Because I've, personally, I've struggled. I've put everything behind hunting. And I'm not saying it's good, but it's like, I've had a heart. You can't, to me, I can't be the very best at multiple things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you do it? You know, I don't know. I do, I do like the CrossFit's, you know, our specialty is not specializing. So a cross, a true CrossFitter should be able to do Cameron's death hike that we mm-hmm. did yesterday. They should be able to do Cameron's death ruck that we did today. Mm-hmm. Um, and they should be able to do a bench, push, pull, squat, hinge, whatever you want in your, the way you train and be okay. Not excel, but do well. It's really hard to be doing that with hunting, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to be a, well, I'm good at hunting and I'm a good dad and I'm good at career and I'm a good husband. And yeah, man, no, don't get it twisted. Um, I am trying to do it better than you did. Mm -hmm. And I do think you are all or none. And I look around, man, proofs in the pudding. You've done some things really well. I'd like to emulate you. I'd like to not emulate you. Mm -hmm. I'd like to add a little bit more balance to family. Um, but if I'm being real, I, I'm not doing a good job up to this point. I still am failing, in my opinion, on how much actual time I put them in front of hunting. 
So it's it's tough to serve both masters. In yeah. fact, it's almost biblical that you can't serve two masters. So um, I don't know. You're older than me. You should be the one giving me advice. <laughs> no. How does that? How have you done it lately? Have you changed? Have you evolved? No. Um, <laughs> but I do know that uh, I get that question a lot. A lot of people send me messages. How do you do? How do you balance it all? Because I think that I think I got lucky. Um, if you have a spouse that is going to be on your ass all the time about how keeping score, which some do, like, hey, yeah. you were gone for this much time. I need to go on a vacate. It's just like it's it's going to be tough to make that work. It's, so where I don't know about you, but where I got lucky is my wife recognized that I needed this to mm. be who I am. Mm. Without it, yeah, I'd be home. I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't, I would, I don't know what I'd be. So there has to be that, uh, you know, it's a healthy passion. Yes, it can be an obsession. And yes, it can, any obsession can be negative. But having a partner that understands how meaningful this is, and I, I, I get that some guys hunt just for a hobby. So that's cool. If they need to keep score on that, it's probably not that big a deal. Mm -hmm. But for somebody who's just driven every single day, this is who I am. When people think of me, they think of bow hunting. Yeah. You just need somebody who's going to be able to support who you are and what, and the fabric of which, what makes you a man or a woman. And without that, it's going to be a tough road. So point is, I got lucky. I got lucky. Mm, yeah, I like what you said, though, the scorekeeping. Mm -hmm. Another tidbit is that at some point it dawned on me to maybe try to figure out what my wife's version of elk hunting was. Mm -hmm. And I didn't make this shit up. I'm, pr I'm probably stole it from somebody, but I definitely... I've heard you say this, yeah. I'm telling you. I like it. She's really into, like, remodeling home garden, like, the really expensive stuff. Like, right. I wish she was into shopping and going to... The Nordstrom's, no, Home Depot, like big, like remodels, bathroom, bathrooms, kitchens. Yeah. Um, and for a while there, I was just like, yo, pump the brakes. You know what that's going to cut? But now I've really come around like to understand her. Like mm -hmm. if she's not busy using her hands and using her creativity, that's her version of elk hunting. Okay. Why wouldn't I get behind her and like encourage her to pursue that and to do whatever she so i think a lot of us dudes are just neanderthals we forget to check with what or even think about what their version is yeah or to treat the family as a, a an account where we need to put more deposits into their account mm -hmm. when we're not hunting yeah because we're certainly going to withdraw when we do right um okay. it's that's, tough that's good advice yeah i mean i i remember when we got this house i think we got new carpet and Trace said, do you want to go see the carpet in the, in the, the new house? And I'm like, no, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about the carpet. If you're happy, cool, I'm happy. But I don't. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, like I said, I got lucky. Yeah, dude. <laughs> because that wouldn't fly for a lot of people. That probably but wouldn't I, fly for me. But I honestly don't care about, you know, if the house looks good. I don't care what fucking color it is. Oh, dude, try being me where I'm gone all month hunting. 
And I just get home and I'm like, just want to give everyone hugs and the dogs really yeah. happy. And I have like, a, there's five minutes on the clock where I better recognize what she did while I was gone yeah. or I'm a jerk. <laughs> yeah. And dude, there's been times where like, I forgot about that clock mm-hmm. and I don't notice what she did. And yeah. it's just like, dude, I'm learning. I'm evolving. I will say when I, it's on hunts where you re- perspective really comes clear without the distractions. And then when you get home and you realize, holy shit, I've taken you guys for granted. hundred percent. And I, so there is a, another cliched saying that absence makes the heart grow fonder, but it's a hundred percent true. So when I get home, I do appreciate everybody. I'm like, I look at everybody differently, but it's because I've been with, I've been away. And yeah, I mean, uh, I, I remember when we got this house, I think we got new carpet. And Trace said, do you want to go see the carpet in the, in the, the new house? And I'm like, no, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about the carpet. If you're happy, cool, I'm happy. But I don't. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, like I said, I got lucky. Yeah, dude. <laughs> because that wouldn't fly for a lot of people. That probably but wouldn't I, fly for me. But I honestly don't care about, you know, if the house looks good. I don't care what fucking color it is. Oh, dude, try being me where I'm gone all month hunting (laughs) and I just get home and I'm like, just want to give everyone hugs and the dogs really have. And I have like, there's five minutes on the clock where I better recognize what she did while I was gone or I'm a jerk. (laughs) Yeah. And dude, there's been times where like, I forgot about that clock Mm -hmm. and I don't notice what she did. And it's just like, dude. I'm learning. I'm evolving. I will say when I, it's on hunts where you perspective really comes clear without the distractions. And then when you get home and you realize, holy shit, I've taken you guys for granted. hundred percent. And so there is another cliched saying that absence makes the heart grow fonder, but it's a hundred percent true. So when I get home, I do appreciate everybody. I'm like, I look at everybody differently, but it's because I've been with, I've been away. And when you've been away, and you love something like your like you love your family. You look at your son, you look at your daughters, or your sons and your daughters and your wife, and you look at them and you're like, "How lucky am I? I got people that fucking care about me." Mm-hmm. You know yeah. how you know how many people want just want somebody to care about them and they don't have it. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's. I think it's. Uh, and maybe, maybe the same holds true for us when we're gone. Maybe they miss us too, I would hope. And, I then, hope. and then so when we have that break from each other and we're, we're hunting and we're giving all we have to that, but it really puts that in perspective about, wow, I really miss my anchor. And if my anchor is my family, which allows me, their support allows me to do this, that's where it comes. That's, to me, that's where it makes sense. But it's... I have to be gone for that because if I'm just going through the same regular grind, you just get in this routine. So that's why as hunters, I think it's like some people may see it as a negative, like you're leaving your family and you're leaving your wife. And how could you do this to be gone? I almost think that, man, this is, this is how you grow and this is how you appreciate each other. If, if, if done right. Yeah. And honestly, here's a good, when this podcast comes out, it's a really good time to execute this advice from Cam. Like, when you get back from your 10-day, 14, 21-day bender of elk hunting, that would be a good time to to like showcase, wow, I'm going to let, I want him to go hunting every year. Like he's come home. He's so sweet. He's like, 
intentional with his time. Like this is a better version of Dan. Like, right. wow. Like, but a lot of times that doesn't always happen. Like we get home, we're unpacking our stuff and like, we just go right back into our shitty routines of life. And we didn't, well, sure. We took them for granted, but we didn't actually make any changes. Mm -hmm. So, and myself is, I'm really like including myself in this, like, like I need to change some things mm -hmm. coming out of this next elk season to show that, Hey, you're getting a better version of Dan and I'm making a couple of changes and tweaks so that I'm better for you guys as well. So, yeah, where I would struggle is I would let whatever happened on the hunt affect my mood. I mean, if, if back in the day, if I didn't get it done, I mean, that's one reason why I work so freaking hard. I can't because it affects everything. It I affects know. my whole life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait, this is just hunting just because you didn't kill a bull? This Your whole life is? Yeah. So that's where I've like, on one hand, it's why I put in the effort that I do because I don't want that feeling. <laughs> I don't want to fail. I'm trying to outwork failure, but it's uh, it's not fair to your family either. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think being a good husband and a good dad is a, is a never ending process. I think we can always do better. We can always learn. But if we're looking at it objectively and with the perspective that we gain from the mountains and from being older and from being more mature and if they're going through life, we can get better. We can we can value our relationships with our family even more. So it's like, as you said, it could be a good thing if, if done right. You know, I haven't always done it right, but that's the goal. Yes, yeah, and it sounds like that's your goal too. It is, man. Life's so short. I want to bring up some children that are better than me and mm -hmm. my wife, and are smarter, more resilient, and understand values. And yeah, man, that's just like what I'm called to do. And I'm not great at it right now, Cam, but I'm trying. And um, I think some people relate to that, honestly. And uh, it's a good message. And honestly, we're just lucky to be hunters in general. Like, yeah. we're just, and I, and I don't mind talking about hunting. I don't mind sharing the good news of hunting, the gospel of hunting. Right. I'm not ashamed to tell people about it. Yeah. Because I believe in it. Yeah, me too. Well, you, I mean, I think you do a great job of rep representing what we love about hunting and the right way to represent it. I appreciate you, Dan. I, you know, I can't tell you how much it means to me that you came into town we shared two great days and I just, um, I just want you to know how much our friendship means to me. I mean, you, you push me, you give me, when I see you succeed, it makes me feel good. Hmm. I love it. So That's thank cool. you, man. Thanks for always having my back from forever. Yeah. And there's nothing that I've never, I've always asked you some things and you've always executed and delivered or if not over delivered when you didn't have to. When you could have snubbed me, you always made time for me. And quite honestly, I still can't keep up with you, man. <laughs> Maybe next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you did great. You're a badass. Thank you. So let's get you to the airport. Keep hammering. Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off. One of the favorite packages that I get on a monthly basis is the Black Rifle Coffee Club exclusive coffee roast. The only way you can get it is if you subscribe to the coffee club. This month's coffee was a quote, 
we're not here blend and with what looks like a picture of Joe Biden on the front. Sounds about right. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. It's veteran-owned and operated. They support hunting and conservation and give back immensely to the veteran community. They're offering followers of the podcast 20% off on your first purchase to the coffee club or order on their site using code KEEPHAMMERING to get America's coffee today.